Welcome to the 1830 Podcast Network. All right, thank you very much for joining the 1830 Podcast Network. Today, we have a a very special guest. Um, A lot of you have been praying for this um, person, uh, this church member here, and uh, we have him on a, a Zoom call. And I wanted to uh, introduce our brother, Charlie Brain. Charlie, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So um, just wanted to get started here. So kind of a little backstory of what happened is uh, I heard you had a testimony. I believe it was, I, I think, a week ago, probably uh, Sunday, a week ago. I heard you had an awesome um, testimony that you told at church. And, uh, and my mom caught wind of it. And she said that she wanted to hear it and she was trying to figure out how to do it. So I had my people contact your people. And by that, I mean, my mom text your mom. And then we, we got this all set up. So that's kind of how it went. Um, so I know, I mean, I go back and think about this and uh, I was trying to think, I was like, man, when did, when did I first meet you? I, it's been, I probably would guess 15, 20 years since, I first met you and our families, you know, probably even longer than that, since our families have been connected. Uh, my, you know, parents go up there a lot. Your parents come and visit. We, I've, you know, been to Hawaii with your family on vacation, stuff like that. So uh, for me to go back, it's like, I really can't pinpoint, but I mean, it's probably, would you agree? It's probably been at least over 20 years now. Yeah, I, I would say it's been probably every bit that long. Um, it's uh, longer than I can remember, you know, and kind of date down. Yeah. So that's just, I was, I was just kind of like thinking about today because uh, I think we just reached out a day or two ago and then we kind of got this set up. So I was just going back and thinking about, man, I've, I really have known, you know, you and your family for quite some time now. So, so when I did hear, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it a month ago today that the incident happened? It was October 13th. What's the date today? I think it's, yeah, November 13th. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was. Uh, I was talking to my wife this morning, and I was telling her like, "Hey, I was going to do um, this interview tonight, and you were going to tell your testimony. Uh, we're going to get a podcast for it." And then I said, "I said, yeah, it's crazy because I was like, it's awesome with technology that I'm able to actually have this meeting with you because I told her like a couple weeks ago, like, I mean, from from what I was hearing, I was like, you might not even be talking, you might not be able to communicate with anybody, but now that I'm there, and then she was like." well, it's been a couple of months. Right. And I was like, I don't know. So we, I kind of looked up Facebook and kind of looked it up and I was like, I think it was a month ago today. So I just wanted to verify with you because, um, I really, uh, when, when I heard of, um, this incident happening and we'll get into that more. Um, I really, there was kind of a stuff like you never, every time you hear something like, Oh, this happened, no, this happened. Like kind of the story changes 12 times. You're like, how am I not getting this figured out? So I, I appreciate you coming on with us. Um, and I'll probably ask some questions and, and you kind of want to tell your testimony and kind of tell the story. Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. But, uh, so I guess, I guess just take me back to, um, I guess a month ago. So go ahead and start whenever you're ready. Yeah. So we were working, it was about three and a half hours from Boise in a town called John Day, Oregon. And, uh, we'd been working in town for a day already and maybe a different job site. And uh, we were working at the mill and we were supposed to, I was going to set up a crane at the mill and take out a piece of equipment inside a building. And uh, I put the crane together in a different location 
and had to drive it into place that night. And then the next morning we would start making lifts. And, uh, and so as I, as I drove the crane into, into position, I was parallel to the power wires as, and as I turned the crane to the right, the boom of the crane was out the rear. And so the boom went left and uh, the boom actually uh, got close enough to the power wires and the power wires arced to the crane and uh, went down through the crane and I went out through the tires. And um, I, wa I was electrocuted, thank goodness, but I pulled the crane uh, up to an area that was safe because I know it's not safe to get out on electrified ground. And so I pulled the area, uh, the crane up, clear up out of that area to another area. Um, at that point, we had a bunch of people coming out of the mill and come out and see what had happened. And they were around the crane and the crane had his tires were on fire. And so we got everybody gathered up behind the crane, you know, where they were safe. And as I went out to uh, back to the crane to take care of the tires on fire and just do what I could do, um, like use fire extinguishers or whatever. As I was walking by the rear tire where the electricity had went out, uh, that tire had been super hyperinflated. And sorry, uh, that tire become hyperinflated. Um, and I guess talking to OSHA later, it's nobody's ever heard of this, but once that steel building had been electrified, there it caused a chemical reaction. And that tire just got more and more and more pressure until finally um, that tire exploded. Well, it just happened to blow as I was walking by it. And so it, uh, <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I remember. As I was walking by the back tire of the crane, that tire blew and uh, the explosion hit me. And, uh, and that was lights out for me at that time. Um, okay, so let me ask a few questions then because this is kind of what we were, uh, you know, when we were hearing like, okay, the the crane hit, got electrocuted, that he got electrocuted, and he didn't. So, uh, so you're saying the crane it got close and the, the electricity arced. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what happened. So these were big. This was like the big power lines. This wasn't. It was like a neighborhood. This is like the big ones you see, like. No, I mean it was probably neighborhood size, but it's there's still like seventeen thousand volts to a neighborhood line or seventeen okay. um, And I don't know, guys who are in the electrical field, I know we got some guys in the church that probably be like, no, that's not right. That <laughs> is not seventeen. It <laughs> it's is like around. It's around seventeen thousand volts for like a standard service line that's going like through your neighborhood. Um, so it wasn't like particularly. It was. I mean, so for us. Our parameters are anything 50,000 volts or less, right? And so is 10 feet. And then for over that, you start to add feet of clearance you have to have. And so... Uh, so it doesn't arc. So that's like, so, not, they've heard of that before, right? Yeah. So if you get, you get within that 10 feet, it can arc. Okay. Know, so abnormal uh, for it to be able to arc. Um, and there's a little bit different criteria for equipment that is being driven versus a crane that's being set up and operated. You can actually be closer on, on the crane being driven. It's a different OSHA standard. Um, and I think it's placed clear like four feet um, at 50,000 or less. So 
apparently I must have got pretty close. And I, and I seen some video from the mill. Uh, and this was like, say, the mill and John Day. And they had security camera video actually caught everything on video. And so uh, it looked like I got, it was pretty close. Um, so. Okay. So then, so that's what, that's what happened. Okay. So that makes more sense with the, with the arcing and everything. Um, and. But yeah, the confusion though, like you talked about the confusion, what happened, that was the same confusion that they had. I mean, like the emergency medical staff had, um, every, the paramedics, you know, everybody even clear till I got, I mean, I was in the burn center in the hospital. There was a ton of confusion, whether I'd been electrocuted or whether I, or, or, or not, you know, people didn't know. And there was actually like in the video, it's three minutes from the time that um, the electricity part happened. And I'm out in the crane walking around and getting everybody out of the way. And I'm fine, not electrocuted. And then the attire blew. So it was uh, the, 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 what they determined, it was blunt, blunt force trauma um, was actually what happened to me. It was had nothing to do with the electrocution. It oh, was okay. just the electrical wires are what caused the tire to blow, which is what caused the blunt force trauma. Okay. And then uh, I haven't heard, but was anybody else injured or was it just you? No, I thank goodness I was the only one. I can't imagine hurting somebody else, what that would be like. And so I, fortunately I was the only one injured um, on, on the project. Um, there was another employee of mine that was with me and he was, uh, he was hit by the, the, just the shockwave of the blast and knocked down but he wasn't injured. And actually he was the first one uh, to tell everybody to call the paramedics. Uh, he got himself up after the blast, told everybody to call the paramedics, um, you know, dial 911 to get me a blanket because it blew the clothes off of me um, from my ankles up. Um, I was wearing a pair of jeans. I was wearing a t-shirt. I was wearing a sweatshirt. And I put on a pair of Carhartt bibbed overalls because it was cold. And, uh, and it literally blew those clothes off of me. Wow. So to help me understand, uh, I know cranes come in, in all sizes on here. The tires on this thing, were they bigger than you? Were they like a truck tire or what is it? They're about four and a half feet tall. Okay. So, so pretty big. Yeah. So they're pretty good size, you know, and they're made for handling pretty substantial loads. This crane had, uh, what does it have? Two, four, five, ten, ten 10 tires on it. And it weighed 225,000 pounds. So, you know, you're 22,500 pounds per tire if they were all balanced and equal. So, I mean, that would be the normal pressure that tire would have on it. And they're inflated to 100 and some PSI, 100 to 120. So, you know, when you take that much weight on that much PSI normally, um, like we've blown tires and we've never bent the steel or anything on the crane, but this time there was so much... Uh, that the steel above it, uh, it bent the steel above it with when this exploded. So it literally had enough uh, power to bend the steel. And just and, it was just one tire that blew them. Well, it ended up being three. <laughs> I started with one. And so knowing my employee who had come to, you know, had basically, like I, I had explained, had got, got a blanket going and got called 911, he immediately started praying for me right there on the spot. And uh, somebody was like, we need to move him. He's like, no, you don't move somebody that's hurt. Well, then the second tire blew. 
and they were like, okay, we're moving out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so I, and all this I've heard from hearing other people's stories about what happened. Um, and so, so yeah, there ended up being three tires though. That, uh, three tires all on the same side. So no, one at, one at the, the two at the rear and one at the front, I think. Okay. So opposite sides on the rear and then the one at the front. Um, yeah, it was very interesting because you could see the way the electricity came down through the crane and went out through the tires. And the cab that I was driving from was clear out in front of all the tires. So it never, the electricity didn't go through that cab. It went down through the frame and to the, the path of closest, you know, uh, to ground, you know, place to the ground. So it went out through the tires. So it never actually came forward to the operator station where I was driving the crane. So, which was very, it was just very fortunate, you know. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about this then. What, I, I don't know the area very well at all, actually, but. Uh, is it pretty rural where it was, was yeah. medics like an hour away or how, how long? No, it was, it was very rural. Uh, the medics were not an hour away. They were close. And in fact, even there in town, uh, well, we were in town, but it's like a mountain town, right? So you have, think about small towns you've been through that maybe have, you know, a couple thousand people or less, right? You maybe have a grocery store, a little hotel, a few restaurants. And then like we, there was a lot of farms and ranches, mainly ranches in the area, cattle ranches. And uh, they heard the explosion in town. And uh, and of course the paramedics, fire department, police department, the, 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 the police chief, he was even saying that they were really dropping the ball, getting me stabilized and getting me out of there as far as the paramedics. Um, so as far as that side of the story, uh, the paramedics, by the time they got me out of there, uh, they took me to Bend, Oregon, via ambulance, and then they lifelighted me from Bend to, uh, the hospital in Portland. The interesting thing about that is, is my family, my wife and my parents heard about the accident two hours after it happened. And they actually beat me to Portland and it's a seven or eight hour drive. Oh, wow. So, so comparably by the, the, the idea that my parents heard, had a, I mean, two, they, they had a two hour head start with the paramedics and my parents still beat them. That is insane. And were you, were you unconscious the whole time? Yeah, I, well, I, yes, I don't remember. I, at first, I didn't remember anything after the blast until I woke up the next day in a hospital. But then my brother-in-law told me that I was arguing with the paramedics about breathing tube. Oh. And, uh, and I, they had to get my okay to put it in because I was conscious. And uh, I ended up giving them the okay. But I, and I do remember that after the fact, you know, I, uh, I remember that that now, but I, I didn't remember it until they brought it up, you know. So I think there was a time that I was conscious initially um, when they were trying to put the breathing tube down and stuff. But I really don't remember much after that. that when that explosion happened, it was just like lights out. I mean, um, I could have <laughs> went home to meet our creator and it wouldn't yeah. have been a whole lot different you know you would never have known wake, yeah. just wake up in another place i would have never known so did uh, did they ever were you ever uh, like i said that some of the confusion going around like 
uh, did they ever actually like kind of sedate you and put you under for a little while, or was that just from the? the... Well, I, I think they. I kind of feel like they must have because they they brought me. They it, it felt like they brought me out of it um, to ask me if, about taking the tube out when I was in the burn unit, and so they asked me um, if they could take the if if I wanted the tube out. I shook my head, yes, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want the tube out, and. Uh, and, and so I, I kind of felt like they woke me up to, to ask me that, you know? Wow. That's, that's crazy. And then, so the next day is kind of when you remember waking up and you've been awake since then. Yeah. I mean, other than some rough nights sleep, yeah. awesome. but, but yeah, I was, so I woke up and, and uh, they took the tube out and explained to me that the, my, that my wife didn't see, even though she, uh, had been in town, she was in town, she couldn't see me because of the governor's orders up there and the COVID restrictions. Um, that my wife wasn't gonna be allowed to see me, and my so her, and my parents, they ended up going home. Um, and uh, and then I basically was, I was three weeks in the hospital. I was in the burn unit for a very short time, I was probably only in the burn unit for three or four days until they transferred me down to, to trauma. And, uh, but uh, I know that I, they, I was able to FaceTime my wife uh, on uh, an iPad and she took pictures and I got to see them later, but they didn't even, uh, they hadn't even washed me. I mean, my hair was like jet black, black, you know, and uh, <laughs> I had soot and everything all in my face, but they had, they put, you know, some kind of an ointment all over my face because of the burns and and you know you'll i don't know if you can see or not i mean i have a pretty good burn across my chin still um but all this black that you see all over my face if you look really close you'll see it's around my eyes and stuff too and actually that was hot rubber liquefied rubber that hit my face and that was one of the first uh, testimonies i have is i have spots in my eyes um, where that liquefied rubber went in and i can and i don't have any any vision loss um, I can still see, um, it didn't actually hit my retina, it hit the whites around my, my eyeball. Um, but I have it in both eyes and, uh, it also blew out my left eardrum. And, uh, of course I can still hear, which is so odd that it blew out my left eardrum because my right was on the impact side, on the tire side. So that's really kind of an odd thing. That is odd. So and, uh, let me, yeah, I guess, let me, because this is a podcast and they can't, they were kind of showing, uh, I'll just kind of say what I'm seeing right now is uh, definitely, definitely look fantastic from, you know, what I was expecting to see. So I, when I, I we were texting all day long or, you know, a couple of times and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what to expect. You know, I was in, you, you look great. So I want to say that, but um, I didn't know about uh, what I'm seeing right now is there's some type of contraption on your arm. Uh, and are you wearing a glove on your hand and a, and a brace as well on your right arm? Yeah. So, uh, so when I got hit with it, with this blunt force trauma, it broke my sternum. It broke my collarbone. It broke my clavicle. It broke several of my ribs. It took out my right elbow and it took out the nerve bundle that comes out of your neck and goes down in this right arm. Um, so they went in. Uh, the second surgery, the first surgery they did was the, and this was the one of the, one of the first blessings. Well, I won't say first blessing was like, still see, I still here. Right. Second blessing came. Uh, it was my very first surgery in the hospital. 
I had three total. Um, my right uh, artery was crushed going into my right arm. And uh, they said, you know, we need to go in, we need to do the surgery um, to get that straightened out and get your blood going back into that arm like it should be. They said, but there's a problem. Um, the ribs are broken and your lung is coming out the ribs. Um, and they said, so we're concerned with going in there and puncturing your lung. And, uh, and, or, you know, and so the morning of, they took me in for another CT scan and that lung had went back down in the place um, where, it was, where it was safe to go in there. And they put a two inch piece of Gore-Tex tubing in there to fix that, uh, that artery. And so I have a, a two inch Gore-Tex tube in my, my artery that's feeding that arm. And so that was the first surgery that they did. The second surgery is in regard to what this metal piece you see on my arm. And uh, so all of my, my, my tendons and ligaments and stuff around my elbow were torn loose. And I, have, uh, I had a bunch of some bone breakage and stuff. And they went in there and took the bone pieces out, but they pinned, uh, put pins in that elbow and they intertwined the synthetic material into my existing ligaments and, and tendons, uh, basically rebuilding those on the inside and the outside of my elbow. Um, and if, so all that can heal up, this is called an external fixator. And it's got two pins that are fastened into my lower arm bone and two in my upper arm bone with this rod that goes between them. And uh, it keeps this elbow in this exact position. I usually would be wearing a brace and a sling, but since I'm sitting here in the chair, I've got this blanket kind of up underneath there to support all that weight and stuff. But, uh, but that, that external fixture is there to keep this arm in this position while that elbow heals. Um, as far as the glove and the, uh, this brace, uh, it's on my wrist, my hand, is that I'm paralyzed from my bicep down all the way, my whole arm. And uh, because my, this arm is actually very swollen, um, this, this, this is uh, a compression glove that brings the swelling down to my hand. Uh, but this braces so my hand doesn't hang limp and strength, and then uh, they don't want it to stretch out all the, the tendons and ligaments in the top in case I, I keep saying in case, I really believe that I'll get, my nerves will heal and I'll get used to this arm again. But that's the whole point is they're, they're treating me like my, my arm's going to heal and come and be of use again. Um, but currently I don't have, I just have really severe nerve pain in that right arm. Um, I I'm taking the medications and stuff for it, but uh I don't have any, I can't move anything below, I mean, below my biceps down. And so uh, that's kind of what the braces for and the glove and the external fixture uh, is all there for. So that's what's going on over here on my, on my right side. Okay. So uh, that brings up a few more questions. Uh, I don't know if we've touched on it yet, but you are actually, you're sitting in your own home in your own recliner right now, correct? Yeah, I've uh, I, I've been out of the hospital for a week and a half, so I spent three weeks in the hospital, and uh, so I got out. So the accident was on a Wednesday. I, I flew home the Tuesday night. That was before the third Wednesday or third week mark. Um, so I flew home to that Tuesday night, 
and then uh, just picking up the airport. And uh, so here it is Saturday. So it's pretty much a, I've been here for about a week and a half here in the house. So it, I mean, that alone, the testimony uh, that I can see just visually right now is a month ago that this incident happened and all of that stuff that you just told me and, you know, with, with the help of modern medicine and all that stuff and the prayers that everybody's been saying, you, you've been at home for a week right now. And, you know, from what I have heard, I'm like, I, I would be at the hospital, you know, I feel like I'd be in there for years. You know what I mean? Cause that's what we were hearing that at first was, uh, you know, kind of the information we were getting was all over the place, but, uh, you know, you could be, you know, sedated for a long time, but like, just to see right here, like if that's not a testimony in itself, I don't know what is, but, um, that's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, so last week I was in the hospital. Um, I was allowed to start walking uh, the hall. And if I did a thousand steps, I would just be exhausted. Um, but they wanted me up and walking because I was starting to get it uh, swelling in my, my feet, my legs. And so I would be just exhausted. And I came home and I was you know, determined to start walking and, and getting some exercise and stuff. And, my, uh, and Jess went out with me walking because, of course, she was concerned for me. And she took our dogs and they just, the dogs and her just left me in the dust, just walking around the block. And it was, it was a struggle, you know, to, to get out and walk. And, but I've kept at it almost every day. And uh, yesterday I walked 8,000 steps. I went out walking twice and I was able to walk like 8,000 steps. And I just, you know, I'm just pushing forward, you know, trying to get, trying to just get back to, to some kind of normal, you know, some, uh, some kind of healthy normal that I can do stuff, but it's very difficult only having uh, a left hand, especially being right-handed. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, I, I, I was lucky enough. I left, uh, I, I lost enough weight in the hospital. Um, and over all this that I thought I was going to be home and just be in sweats. And I actually, uh, I lost enough weight that I can button my jeans and put my belt through and I can pull them up without unbuttoning them and then just cinch the belt tight. <laughs> I'm in my jeans and I'm, uh, you know, in my, I just bought me some shirts that like had buttons down, the, but you know, these stretchy t-shirts and stuff, I can put them on be in my own clothes. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've been, I've been really blessed in. Um, I, I guess, the third, I mentioned three surgeries. I think I only talked about two. Uh, the third surgery was when the, the same doctor who orthopedic who did my, this brace and this elbow work, he went back in through my same incision in my chest that they did for the artery to, and he opened it up more to look at those nerves. And, uh, he said the nerves were severely stretched and he, they had told me originally that they were going to go in and see what they could fix they didn't fix anything. They said everything was so stretched out and, and such a mess that they really just needed to wait and see what, what healed itself, you know? And, and I, I think that's really a, a wonderful opportunity for the Lord to, to show himself, you know? Um, I, I, I just, I know it's something that Joel even said that, you know, the Lord will be glorified in us and only the Lord. And, and I was thinking about what Joel said, and I don't know what prompted him to say that, but I think that, uh, uh, I think that, that that's a really good opportunity, you know? And so that's a part of what I have a lot of faith that, that the Lord's 
going to restore my arm just because, you know, that's a wonderful opportunity that only he'll be glorified and nobody can take that, you know, uh, take that away from the Lord. So I do think that, that he will do that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful testimony just to say that, you know, I didn't lose my hearing. I didn't lose my sight. Um, I had a huge bruise down my back, big bruise. And then the nurse pointed it out in the hospital. And I asked the nurse, I'm like, can you take some pictures so I can see it <laughs> with my phone? And so I'm looking at this and I've got this, like, looks like a, a, a tire wet <laughs> from my, my neck, crip, my shoulder, all the way down to my tailbone, right alongside my backbone where I got hit by this. And, and, uh, but it didn't hit my backbone. It didn't hit my neck. It didn't hit my head. It could have been totally different, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, but it was, it was huge. Uh, just this big purple, uh, scar, uh, you know, big purple strike basically down my back. And, uh, and I just, I just thinking about that and thinking really, um, how, uh, how blessed I was that I wasn't, it wasn't different, you know? Um, absolutely. And I, I must say, uh, he's been fighting his dogs, uh, this whole time. So, I mean, he's not, he's, he looks great. Uh, he's sitting in his chair and he's pushing his dogs away and he got, I mean, he's walking around stuff. So uh, that's great, but let's go back. I, I, I did hear you say that you were talking to Joel about that. Um, those of you who don't know, Joel, I think everybody does know Joel, but, uh, was, was Joel in town or did he come in town or tell us more about that? Yeah. So I, I guess I want to back up to the point there was, I don't remember exactly. It was very early, early on when I woke up and uh, I don't think it was immediately when I woke up from, you know, like that next day, but there was part of me where I had the most interesting experience where I just felt like I wanted to be administered to, like I needed to be administered to. It wasn't just like, Oh, I should be administered to. It was like, I hungered for it. I needed it. I wanted it. You know, it was something that I, I just can't explain. It was like something from inside me that just knew that it was something that I really needed. And uh, I was like, well, my wife can't see me. My parents can't see me. You know, I'm not going to be administered to until I go home. And, uh, and Joel called me or texted me. I'm sorry. He texted me and he said, Hey, I'm going to be in the area doing a funeral. And uh, can I, can I minister to you? And I said, well, you know, they're not letting anybody in the hospital, but let's see, we'll see what we can do. And so he called the, the hospital and, and he told his story on the CCG. Um, so you can read his testimony there, but um, he, uh, I guess he called the hospital and he tried them and, and they said that they didn't have the authority to let him, let him come in and do it. Um, so they, uh, what is I'm trying to think of the name they use for the, the, the religious, the chaplain. Uh, so they said they'd have to ask, he'd have to ask the chaplain. So he got a hold of the chaplain. The chaplain said, no, I don't, I, am, I can't do that either. And so they just shut him down. They shut him down and said, no. But in the meanwhile, I had um, the head of trauma in my, one of the heads of trauma in my room. And I also had the, the counselor just checking on me, the, the hospital counselor scout was doing. And they happened to both be in the room. And I said, you know, I would really would like to be able to be uh, prayed over by this leader in our church. And uh, he's, he's going to be in the area. 
and uh, and they were like, you know, we don't see why that can't happen. And uh, well, let me let me pause real quick. Is this the reason? Is is it for COVID? The reason they were not yeah, it was okay. because of the governor's order um, that they couldn't have any any visitors like that in the hospital. I guess anywhere except the emergency room, and so. Um, they were like, well, we don't see why that can't happen. And so I was communicating with Joel and Joel had been shut down. I'm like, these people are telling me that they can make this happen, you know? And, uh, and so I talked to Andrea a little bit more, the, the leader of trauma or head of trauma. And uh, she was like, I'll wheel you outside myself for him to pray for you. And I'm like, okay. You know, and she had told me, we had, she took me my first walk around the, the little hospital area I was allowed to walk in. And she told me she wasn't very favorable to the order that was given by the governor. And so uh, she didn't agree with it. And so I, I, I guess I want to elaborate on it a little bit what happened. Um, so she, uh, it was really funny, actually. Uh, when it came time to, and Joel showed up, um, she wasn't available to take me down uh, and, you know, meet Joel. And so she actually gave orders to the chaplain that told Joe no <laughs> to wheel me down there. And the chaplain, praised God. I mean, the chaplain was happy. This, this lady who was the chaplain just wasn't, she didn't have the authority to do it. You know, she's had to go by what she was told. And this, uh, this, this lady who was head of trauma, she's like, no, we're going to make this happen, you know, and she did. But the, the part I want to elaborate on was the after that. Um, so I don't know how many days it was later. I was being wheeled down the, the hallway to x-ray and this lady stepped off, uh, stepped out of the, the elevator and said, you know, um, she wanted to check my vitals on the way by. So she made this kid push in my bed, stop. And uh, she checked my vitals. She said, you know, you're not breathing as deeply as you should. I'm going to send some stuff to your room. And I never saw her again. The whole time I was there, I never saw that lady again. It was like she was literally put there or like her place and time, you know, was to, to help me be administered to. And then she just, I, I never saw her again in the rest of my stay. And I was there for, you know, several more days. And this was and the lady that helped, that helped the, it. The, yeah, the lady that, that gave the direction to take me down to be administered to, um, she she was there for that up to that point. There was one brief interaction there afterwards, and then she wasn't. She wasn't. She I never saw. She was off doing other things that she had to in the hospital, you know. And it was just really, really cool. I think it's a, it's a testimony for us because as we see things change in our world and we grow more and more concerned that God provides a way, you know, and he provided a like-minded individual um, who was, who was willing to go out there on a limb. And, uh, and then she went off to do her job and I went off to, you know, continue to recover and, and, uh, and the Lord's will was accomplished. So I was able to be administered to, you know, I just, and, and for all that to fall into place, I, I think for me to have that really incredible feeling that I needed it, to get that text from Joel, and for against all odds for it to happen, I just feel like the Lord's going to do something with that administration, you know. Um, that's not just going to be 
there's there's something that'd be something more to it you know so it was it was something it was just something deep down that was you wanted the administration it wasn't like oh i'm, I'm in a lot of pain i need to manage it was like i need you wanted that administration for something different. i just i just felt like i needed it like i I, I, it was just as clear as could be that I needed it. Uh, I just, it was just, a, it was an overwhelming, compelling, you know, feeling. It wasn't like it was just a random thought or just even a, even a thought, it, you know, like, oh, I should do this or, you know, whatever. It was just like this, this hunger, like I need to be a member. To, you know and did you ever concede to the fact that it was just going to have to wait until you were out or was it like I need oh it right yeah now. I, I i was just i mean as, as soon as it came on i was like well that's just not going to happen you know um until you get out because that's just the way that this is so i i immediately just put that to bed and then everything started to happen you know so joel did come and then they wheeled you out and he administered to you outside yeah, they he administered to me outside, and uh, and with I, he's got a testimony too because we've been uh, he'd been driving through this horrible rainstorm, and I was watching the weather forecast, and I was telling Jess, I was like, please pray because they're gonna have to take me outside, and it's the weather's really bad, you know, and uh, they wheeled me outside, and there was just like this opening in the storm where the sun came out and the wind died down. And it was just peaceful and just beautiful. And he was there 15 minutes and he was, you know, and then he left and I went back inside and, uh, it was just, it was just an incredible experience, you know, to have that happen. Yeah. So you, you got just a 15 minute conversation with Joel and then he left. Yep. <laughs> Well, I know you're going with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't say it, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's awesome that it happened. Um, that is, I mean, I'm sure Joel would have stayed and talked to you for a couple of days if he could have, but. Oh yeah. And we, and you know, it was, we got, we got, you know, hugs and snapped a couple selfies and, you know, um, and parted ways, but it was, it was a, an experience I probably won't ever forget, you know, um, I'll, I'll always remember that that happening i think and uh and how the lord made it possible and and uh i feel like it just set the wheels in motion for for good things and of course you know when i got back and and being sacrament sunday uh last week you know i gave my testimony of everything i felt like the lord had done um but also you know asked for uh rich to go ahead and, and administer to me again you know um and I just, uh, I, I don't know. I've been so overwhelmed and actually very humbled. Um, you know, I guess kind of shifting gears and, and going a different direction, but I've had so many people that have heard about this that let me like, you like, Hey, you know, we're, we put you, we put you on our church prayer list. Right. And so, I mean, I have what everything went out in CCG and we all know that it covers, you know, different countries and different places and have a lot of people, um, a lot of people there, um, that were, that are praying on my behalf. And, but I had so many of, of my, my employees that they put me on like their men's group list and, you know, different prayer lists like that. And then, 
I mean, I've got vendors. I got a vendor in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's like, hey, just so you know, you're on a prayer list in Georgia and Louisiana, you know? And and I heard that after I got back. And one of the big ones, <laughs> yeah, this was so humbling to me. Um, it made me cry several times. Um, our biggest competitor was quite a bit bigger company than ours. Um, the owner knew my dad. And uh, he called my dad. And he said, hey, I heard what happened to Charlie. And I want to know if we can put him on our church prayer list, you know. And then his wife called back and got our, our house address and sent a card. And, you know, for, to have your biggest competitor being like, hey, can I, put, can I put him on our prayer list? You know, it just, when you think about that, it's just like, there's a lot more to this world than uh than our day to day, you know, um, the, the really caring for people and, uh, and, and putting people's needs ahead of everything else. And, and, and that, that charity that we're called to have as believers, I just, uh, I saw that a lot and, uh, and it still chokes me up even now, you know, uh, just considering, everybody who was willing to, to pray for me, you know? The, yeah. Cause I mean, I remember that the, when that happened and the day of like, it was, I mean, we were, we were just instantly just praying for you. I know I was, and, uh, and we don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? So you don't know, cause sometimes uh, you don't know if it, is it better than it sounds? Is it worse than it sounds? Because, you know, without knowing what's going on. And I mean, just from the sounds of it, it was, it sounded pretty bad, but it sounded like it was worse than it sounded at the beginning. You know what I mean? So um, it, that is awesome that that many people are praying for you. And, you know, I know without a doubt that that's the reason why I'm talking to you right now. And it sounds like, you know, that as well. And the fact that the administration, that was, that's, that's a cool thing to hear because um, personally I've, I've uh, never been injured very, very much, very, you know, nothing significant. Uh, I've been just sick, just normal sickness. And I remember feeling I want to get ministered to, but it was like, I want to get ministered to because I need this pain to go away. And that pain was nothing compared to what you were experiencing, but it felt like, it sounds like you, it was something in you that was, it was more than just the pain. It was, I need this. And it's, it's that's a cool testimony to have. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, honestly, I really believe, I, I guess I, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit, you know, I mean, really speaking from inside me, you know, let me know that, you know, you need to, you need to do this. This is, uh, this is something that's imperative for your, your well-being, you know, and I mean, I thought quite a bit about it. And I think that's, at this time, that's my conclusion, you know, is that it, because it, it wasn't just like a, uh, a flip of Charlie thought, you know, this was something that was very much impressed. And, and like I say, but it was, but it was like, like almost like an absolute knowledge, like, absolutely, this has to happen, you know, um, as soon as possible. And uh, it just was possible a lot sooner than I expected. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, and the fact that the way it happened, everything, that's just, that's just fantastic. So uh, I guess switching gears a little bit, um, it sounds like you have a pretty, you know, a pretty tough road ahead of you. Uh, 
what like what's the plans for you right now like what do you have to go back in certain time or what's going on yeah so i mean there's a lot of i I have some concern right now because um the orthopedic and nerve specialist in portland uh i would have to go back to portland to see him who did the work and there's nobody in boise who specializes in the nerve issues i have the closest other uh, person uh, that specializes in it is at the University of Utah in Salt Lake. And so um, it's what, seven or eight hours to Portland. It's like four to four and a half to the U of U. So it made more sense for me to transfer care uh, down to the U of U. Uh, unfortunately, they're not able to see me till December 8th. Um, I, and I just had my last uh, kind of a follow-up appointment a couple of days ago via uh, on, you know, kind of a call like this, a video call. Um, with the, doc- the doctor up in Portland. And I didn't realize when he basically was like, okay, I'm going to sign off and let you go to this other doctor. I didn't realize, he said I was going to have to have his external fixture on for six to eight weeks. And by the time I get to see this other doctor, the soonest they could get me in was December 8th, which was exactly seven weeks. Um, so I'm like, what's going to happen with this thing on my arm? You know, I mean, cause I'm assuming my first appointment with the U of U is just going to be, you know, um, Hey, how you doing? Introduction you know, instead of, uh, Hey, when are you going to take this thing off me? And, uh, and, you know, so we, uh, man, it's, it's kind of hard because it's like a weekend later or a week and a half later, actually probably only a week later, we were actually planning on trying to travel back back to uh, the Missouri area um, for a wedding and, uh, and, and want to be there and stuff. And so it's like, I'm trying to like, figure out in my head, how am I going to get this thing off me? Or am I just going to have to travel back there and have it on for like way longer? Will that hurt? Will it, is, is it fine? Is it not fine? I, there's just, so there's a lot of unknowns just in that. Um, but the big thing is, um, this nerve bundle the the surgeon said it was severely stretched and uh and, and it needs this healing and he said that your nerves only grow at about a centimeter a month and so as they regenerate it's a very long process and so uh they told me that there's some type of nerve mapping they'll probably try to do it like three months um just to see what's happening I know when I was in the hospital, I did back-to-back hour and a half long MRIs, uh, so three hours total to figure out what kind of damage I had going on uh, for the, the the medical team. But um, but anyway, so there's obviously several different ways that they can they can look at what's going on with the nerves in my arm. But that's the big thing right now is is uh, will I get function back? They talked to me about things that like if I don't get full function back in this area, that area, they, they talked about actually cutting muscles off places and moving them around. And, and, uh, I guess that's, that's in their wellhouse to be able to do to get certain functions and, and like smaller muscles you don't use. So they can, uh, I just thought it sounded pretty crazy, you know, and I, I don't know, I would, I would feel a lot better if my nerves just were, we're grown back and there wasn't a lot of, of hacking and cutting, you know, it bothered me even when they were talking about taking nerves off my legs and putting them in my arm and stuff, because they're like, Oh, you know, 
you, you would probably be fine. You'd be fine through life without this nerve in your leg. But I'm like, they just like, you just lose feeling that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, um, I, how about I keep going there and to get my arm back, you know? And so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it, it is concerning, you know, what the outcome will be here. Um, I've, it, I, I've thought a lot of, I, I told, I came out of the hospital telling Jess that I, I really felt like I needed to focus on that scripture that talks about just living in the day, not living about, not thinking about yesterday, not worrying about tomorrow. And, uh, I said that and I, and I, I, I wanted to do that, but it within a few days, you know, I'm looking at my, my arm that is swollen and won't move and I don't have any control over and it just gives me nerve pains and sometimes severe. And, uh, and I just began to mourn it, you know, I mean, to the point of just crying because I don't have, uh, I don't have that. I mean, right arms and asset, right. And, uh, I don't have it. And, and I was, I was mourning it and, uh, sister, uh, Amy Moser texted out of the blue. And she's like, hey, uh, and she shared how she had these pins like I have my arm in her, in her hands and, and how horribly painful they were. And uh, how she, she just, the idea of anybody even bumping them um, would just, you know, it was, she was horrified. And I had these pins on the door jams of the house. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm fine because I can't feel it, you know? And so right now it's almost like it's a blessing that I can't have any feeling in that arm because I don't feel, I mean, I can feel those pins if they're in a bind. I feel like there's pressure and I need to like relieve it by adjusting my arm. But for right now, the not having those nerves is, is a blessing in disguise because I don't have to deal with major pain in this arm. But the other thing that Amy said when she, she texted me is she told me that that same verse was what, helps her get through her days and with everything she's gone through. And, and it just, it reminded me that, you know, we are all linked together by this uh, heavenly spirit. And uh, the Lord knew with when I was really struggling and he put it on her heart, you know, and she followed, uh, she followed her heart and, and reached out to me and, and it really, it really made a huge impact, you know, for her to follow that prompting of a spirit of God to, to reach out to me. And so I am, it makes me, these things make me very thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and just makes me very thankful for the God who have brought all of us to this point, you know, in, in this life and, and, uh, and I just, I just, I've just seen him do too much already to think he's not gonna, not gonna continue, you know? So, so going forward then, uh, if, if you were to kind of just summarize it, what, uh, what's your prayer request right now? Cause, uh, I can imagine a trauma like this in your life, like, it might not be because you know we're we're supposed to be praying about everything and uh generic prayers and general prayers help but like if if we can if you want to request request it people that are listening to this um what, what can we pray for you right now 
You know, I, I guess the first thing is just that we'd be able to make a smooth transition and get this external fixture off and in a timely manner and just all that would be good. But um, <laughs> if I had a custom made order, made order prayer, it'd be like, as soon as the external fixture gets off that he would just flip my nerves on, you know, <laughs> like, like light switches on, everything's back up and running and I'm, I'm back to normal. But, uh, you know, it sounds like I'll have to go through physical therapy, you know, and stuff once stuff gets to working again. And yeah, it sounds like I, I have some different nerve damages in different areas. And so it's entirely likely that I may as stuff, if it, as it does come back online, I'll start to get used a little bit more here and there. Um, my prayer is, is that he would just bring me to a, a complete healing on my arm, you know, that, uh, that I would get full function again. Cause at this point, uh, I've never, I cannot imagine anybody being able to be a one-armed crane operator. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's not just that it's not, it, it really has very little to do with my profession at this point. You know, I, uh, I just, I mean, I, I struggled open pill bottles. I, I struggle with a lot of things. I mean, I can't, I, I love to cook, you know, and I can't even cut up stuff because like, I can't hold it with one hand and cut with the other. You know, I, uh, I, <laughs> when my wife left town um, and I had an opportunity, I snuck out back to see if I could split wood or not. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> found out that the wood that split so easy last year two-handed which just max I can't split with my left hand you know a full year later and uh and so even I can't even split it with a, a splitting mall you know and which is much heavier one-handed and so I'm like well I every day is a new uh a new boundary that I run into and uh with the nerve medications I'm on I can't drive right now and so everywhere I go I have to be driven um by somebody else you know and and uh so I went from being fully able-bodied you know um to having a lot of things I can't do and that's that's pretty tough position to be in you know nobody wants to find themselves in a place where you can't do the things you want to do, you know? I mean, I laughed about it when I was in the hospital kind of jokingly about that, you know, I, I love to fish and I was looking up electric fishing reels that I could use one handed, you know, <laughs> I could fish with uh, just push, a push of a button, but, but, you know, so like, so some things you can't overcome, but a lot of life's things, you just, I don't know how it would be a, a big struggle to, uh, to not have use of my right arm you know, for, for the rest of my life. And, uh, so, you know, I, I'm thankful that I, I really, I made the mistake, you know, I, it was my mistake that it got me in the situation and I've had blessing after blessing, but I just, uh, I would really like to be restored to, uh, you know, having the box being able to do the things I did beforehand. So, yeah, I mean that it, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I mean, that's, it sounds like, you know, you, you've been, you know, asking for prayers, you've been blessed so far. Um, and just looking at you right now, like from, you know, it sounds like what you've gone through, like I, I'm not going to be surprised if that happens and I think it will happen. So, um, 
yeah, I, I appreciate your time. Um, is there anything else you want to say before I let you go? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I just I'm thankful for everybody who is probably going to listen to this and, and, uh, and, and, and be willing to offer a prayer for me. And, uh, and I really hope that, uh, I really hope this results in, a, in, a, in an even greater testimony, you know, something that'll build um, all of us up and uh, increase our faith. And uh, as, you know, life gets more and more trying and, and, you know, that we can just have an increase of faith and, and this would be a help for that, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's what we, uh, we hope for with the, with this podcast network is we're hoping that people can do exactly what you did uh, tell their testimonies. And that way, uh, even if, if it's something in, you know, years down the line, you might go back and listen to this podcast as well. And you, and then it might help you remember, you know, how far you've come and all that stuff. And um, I have already asked you this before we started recording, but I already said, Hey, uh, you know, it's been a month, but you know, a year from now, maybe we revisit this and we do another podcast and you get to tell your testimonies and we kind of, you know, see what we can do, see what, uh, if you still need prayers then about this, if you still um, have more testimonies to share, I'll be glad to have you back on. Um, but I want to thank you for your time and uh, we'll, I'll keep praying for you. And I know everybody else will keep praying for you. Um, we won't take you off the prayer list and uh, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it too. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. All right, so we have a bit of a follow-up with um, the Charlie interview. Uh, we actually have uh, Apostle Joel Yates um, for this portion of the podcast. And uh, Joel, we're going to go ahead and touch uh, base with you on some of the things that Charlie was mentioning. Uh, he was talking about his uh, his desire to get administered to, and he was talking about how uh, how it was a blessing. And he, I think, he even mentioned in the podcast how how he would like to hear your side of the story if he, if he hasn't already, or he would, you know, he would love to hear that. So why don't you go ahead and take us back? Uh, so we just talked about from Charlie and he mentioned about how you were uh, able to minister to him. So if you want to kind of take it from the top there and just kind of let us know how that happened. So um, these are the kind of things that God does that are so um, they, they, they always, uh, lead to his glory. And, and, uh, and it's one of these testimonies that I feel like God is so, uh, he's always ahead of us. He knows what's, what's going to be happening. And, and he begins to put things in place and we don't even know why. Um, actually my part of the story begins with uh, the death of a, of an elder in Colville, Washington. And, um, and I knew that I was going to be in up there to do a funeral service. His daughters had asked me to do his funeral service um, towards the end of October. And so I had begun to make plans to go to Washington uh, for that purpose. Um, in the meantime, a, another member, uh, his wife, they found out she had cancer and she had to go through radiation and chemo. I had been out there uh, in October. August and uh, early September, and I hadn't been able to see them. And um, we'd had a conversation, and she asked if I could come administer to her. And she lived in Battleground, Washington, which is uh, right 
It's just a few miles across the state line from Portland. And so I already had these basic plans of people that I wanted to see and needed to see um, when I got to Washington. At that time, I didn't know that Charlie was working in Washington. I didn't know any of those details. I hadn't heard, you know, he hadn't had an accident yet. When he had the accident, um, the night I heard that he had the accident, I, um, I was uh, thinking about this, this scenario. Um, I knew that, that Rich above uh, the pastor and uh, would go and see him. I was curious as to see what would happen because I knew that most of the hospitals in Oregon were in lockdown to cope because of COVID. And so I, I was curious as to whether or not um, I felt like I knew that Charlie would want to be administered to. And my first line was to, you know, having talked to Karen uh, Bo was, and she assured me if he could get in there, he would definitely get in there and administer to Charlie. Um, I wasn't, I was still probably a week or so, maybe 10 days out from actually going to Washington myself. And, and then as I began to hear the story that none of the family could see him, they wouldn't let anybody in. And so that kind of went, it was just in the background. I knew I would be close to where Charlie was as he stated, as I'd get updates that he's in the hospital. Um, I re remember trying to get another update before, not long before I left, I called and talked to his parents and I said, has there been anybody that's been able to get in and see Charlie? And they said, no, no family's been able to get in there. And, uh, and in the conversation, um, his, his uh, dad, Bob had said, you know, um, we really wish you could get in there and administer to him because he's, you know, he's been there by himself all this time and, and it's been a struggle. And, uh, and, you know, so I, it, it came into my mind again, I'd already had it there. I'm going to be right there. Maybe, you know, the Lord could open this door. And so I texted Charlie and said, uh, hey, what do you think about this? Is there any way? I mean, uh, Bob had told me that we'd, you know, we would have to work through Charlie at the hospital to see if we could pull that off. And, and so Charlie and I started talking about it, it, it by text. And he said, absolutely, I would love to be administered to. And so the formulation of this idea was in my mind. And I was thinking, when could I do it? I started planning my time and I thought maybe I could do it on a Monday. I, I flew up there on a Friday, Saturday. I had a, uh, I had to do the funeral service Saturday evening. I stopped with some members in uh, Spokane and Sunday morning. I had a service with them. My plan was to be in the Portland area on Monday and Charlie and I, he had talked to some doctors. He had talked to some people. He told me, and we had this idea that was positive, that maybe we could actually do it. Um, but we still hadn't gone through all the channels. And, and so as we were getting close to the time, uh, Sunday, I just finished with the sacrament service with our members there in Spokane. 
and he and I started texting and he said, they've, they've moved up my surgery. Well, I knew if he had surgery on Monday, I could, I could never get in there. And so, you know, I said, that, that means I've got to come today. And he says, when can you be here? I, I brought up the hospital he was in on my, on my uh, GPS and on my phone. And, uh, I gave myself a 15 minute window and I said, I can be there at five 30 this evening. And I said, then do we know if I, we can even do this? And we'd had this conversation. We'd started asking and I had some numbers. He had sent me some numbers to call. So I called the, um, we, I hurried up. I had my stuff ready. I got in the car and I started rolling. I called the hospital while I was on the road. And, um, when I first listened to the switchboard and the messages, it sounded like, well, people were able to get in a visit. I thought, oh, this is good. And then a guy got on the, the operator got on the switchboard and said, hi, can I help you? And I said, well, yeah, I'm wondering if I can, if, uh, you guys are letting people in to visit, I'm a minister. I'd like to go in and see one of our members. And he said, uh, you're going to have to talk to the nurses station. So I he moved me to the nurse's station and the first nurse I talked to, she said, well, I'm going to have to talk to the charge nurse. And I kind of explained to her, I said, you know, I have a member there. He's asked me to come and pray for him. And I'm just trying to find out if it's possible. What, you know, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll wear a mask, whatever you want me to do. And, um, anyway, she talked to the charge nurse and she got back on within five minutes and she said, it's impossible. And I said, well, you know, Charlie had told me he'd talked to the doctors, several doctors. They didn't think it was a problem. And then she began to, to expound to me that the nurses are the ones that are there all the time, not the doctors. And the doctors don't know what's going on. And, and the nurses um, are trying to keep him safe from COVID. Therefore, it's impossible. And, and then she said, unless you go over our head. And I'm thinking, oh, oh well. There's, so we're saying there's a chance and, and she, and she said to go over her head was to talk to the chaplain. Uh, Charlie told me that he had talked to a psychologist that had already said she would talk, or I, I'm, I'm assuming, I thought it was a she, but it could have been a he, but the, the psychologist was going to talk to the chaplain about that possibility. He had been working on it from the inside for a while. and. Uh, but I had the chaplain's number. So I called, I'm, I'm again, I'm on the road and, and it's a, uh, it's a stormy day. There's a major storm uh, all across the Northwest and I'm driving in rain. Um, I had a, about almost a six hour drive to get there. And, and I knew I only had one stop. And so I called, but, I, you know, in my mind, I want to go through the channels. I want to see if we can do this. I had, I'd called and talked to the chaplain, uh, a young woman named Kate answered the phone. And I told her what I was wanting to do. And she said, oh, is, is he a Catholic? And I said, no. She said, well, if, if what we, if there's, uh, you know, if there's somebody else on our staff in the ministry as a chaplain that can do what you would do, then there's no reason for you to come in. We'll just do it. And I said, Oh, do you guys anoint 
people's heads with oil and put your hands on them and pray over them like the pattern in the scripture is. And she said, I'm going to have to talk to my supervisor. I can't give you, you know, I can't give you the, the ability to do it. I've got to talk to my supervisor. And so she took my name, my phone number, and she said, I'll call you back. And, and I, you know, I threw that in there. I thought, well, that's probably a new one that most of them don't hear. And a lot of people in a lot of churches don't practice uh, administration like we do. And, it, you know, it was my hope that maybe that might get my foot in the door. Um, I made my stop. And again, I'm still in the middle of heavy rain. Um, I talked to Charlie and Charlie told me that there was one other option. The other option at that time was there was a PA on duty that day that wasn't really necessarily on board with all the COVID stuff. And that PA would be, was willing to take him out of the hospital. He had been walking. He'd been practicing walking, trying to get stronger. And it was the perfect way to get that. You know, he, you know, Charlie set it up with that guy or that person. I think it was a woman um, who would be, who was willing to come and get him at five o'clock. We were going to meet at five 30 and start taking him down there, let him do some walking and some stuff uh, like, you know, physical therapy or whatever. Um, but as, uh, as I got probably another hour and a half down the road, I received a phone call from Kate and the chaplain, the resident chaplain. And, and she began to apologize. She said, Joe, you know, I'm, um, I just, I'm so sorry, but, uh, my, my supervisor said, it's not possible. Um, we're not going to be able to let you do that. Um, and, and she was apologizing. I mean, she was very sympathetic and I, she's just a sweet person. You could tell. Um, but I had this impression that I needed to tell her and I did. I, I just, it just came to my mind. Um, I said, well, you know, Kate, I've been praying about this. I said, we serve a God that moves mountains. He can do the impossible. I said, I've been praying this whole time that he would remove whatever obstacle to make this happen so that Charlie and I could get together. I said, you know that spiritual things are and physical things are attached. When people are trying to heal, their spirits need to be lifted. They need to be encouraged. And I said, this was what my hope was. And and she just kept, oh, I'm so sorry. I understand what you're saying. I agree. I, I don't like this either. I'm, but I don't have the authority to give this opportunity to you. Well, in the back of my mind, um, we, we still had an in with the PA that was willing to do it. And I didn't say anything to her about that PA. And I, but I thanked her for trying because she was just a sweetheart and I, and I, you know, didn't want to be mean. And I just, I thanked her for trying and we hung up and I have to tell you, um, there was never a doubt in my mind. I had this, this, there was never a doubt in my mind that Charlie and I were going to be able to get together. And, and the weather was bad. It was bad all over Portland. I mean, they'd had some, some little uh, tornadoes and all kinds of stuff, some, uh, um, I mean, it had been heavy rain, heavy clouds all day. And I started praying about, okay, so Lord, if, 
if this PA is going to be able to do this, then we need a clear spot. And if we're going to meet outside, I don't want Charlie, who's been injured, been through surgery. I don't want him subject to all these elements and, and started praying about it. Charlie, we'd talked and he said, yep, they're going to come get me at five o'clock. We're on. And, um, but I started praying about the weather. Um, anybody that's traveled in Washington and most people here in this probably haven't to get into Portland from the direction I was coming, I was going down, uh, through, uh, an area, uh, along the Columbia river gorge and, uh, and, and the clouds were heavy down in there. It was raining on me the whole way. But when you hit the Portland area in a place called Troutdale, you come out of that gorge and it opens up. And I came out of that gorge and the sun was shining. And right there over the top of Portland was blue sky. And I could see a ring around it with the clouds heavy to the ground all around it. And I thought, well, um, I mean, you know, Lord, you, you answered this prayer. So I think we're on. And, and so I was following my GPS into downtown Portland to find this hospital and took a wrong turn. Actually, I took the right turn, but I needed to be in another lane and I missed my second turn that was right away that my GPS didn't tell me about. And so I got off track anyway, to make a long story short, I made it back over there with two minutes to spare, found the place I was supposed to meet Charlie. And I walked over there and I stood there and waited for him outside and I didn't see him pretty soon. He, he and I got in contact. He said, where are you? So I'm standing right outside. And he said, well, I'm looking outside. I don't see you. And we figured out I was on the wrong side of the building. And as I started to move off, I said, here, I'll come to you. And I started to move off and I looked and I saw a woman pushing a guy in a wheelchair and I knew it was Charlie. And they had started moving to me. I'd started moving to them. I said, stop right there. I see you. I'm coming. And I knew this PA had pulled it off. And as I got close to Charlie, this young woman pushing him says, hi, Joel. I'm Kate. And I was like, okay. So the chaplain resident was actually there the one that said it couldn't be done the one that i reminded that we had a god that could move mountains and do the impossible and she had a smile on her face and she said i don't know who um she said somebody really high up had to pull these strings for this to happen and i smiled and i said and we know who that is don't we and she started chuckling and she said, yes, we do. And I said, I told you that we serve a God that does the impossible really well. I said, I never had a doubt that I was going to have this moment with my brother, Charlie. And she moved us back over underneath the cover, even though there was still blue sky over us, but just to get us a little bit out of the wind. And she gave us 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, I had been asking, I'd asked so many people to pray that the Lord would open the door. Uh, I pondered that situation and that scenario so many times since then. 
And I'm, I was thinking about, you know, would God choose the rebel to get it done? Or would he change the scenario and have it be done the right way so that he gets all the glory? And I thought, that's, that's just like God. Um, we had a way of somebody that was probably going to break a rule to do it. But God went through the rules. And he, he moved someone up there. I had been asking the Lord to soften someone's heart and open the door. We had many people in the church praying that the Lord would open the door. Uh, from Charlie's family, the Phoenix local, we'd put it out there. It's on Facebook. People were praying. And at, at the very moment I was meeting Charlie, the Phoenix local was in a season of prayer for him. And, and I told him, I, I was just completely humbled that the scenario that I was expecting was a PA, but it wasn't. It was Kate, a person that I'd felt to talk to and remind that we have a God that can do anything. And then God did everything he had to do to make that moment possible. It was just surreal. Um, it was such a humbling uh, experience. I reminded Charlie that no matter what happened, uh, only God can be glorified in these things. There was a lot of people praying for him. I just got to be the lucky one that was there in person. And we had just 10 minutes, short time. Um, but it was a marvelous time. Um, and uh, I'd said to Kate later, I, as she came out, I said, can I give you a handshake or a hug? <laughs> and she smiled and she said, that is the coolest thing I have seen in a while. What God just did here today. And she was all on board with the fact that God did it. And um I was able to administer to Charlie. We had our 10 minutes. You can't say a lot in 10 minutes, but we both felt that. I just felt that that wonderful uh, touch of the spirit of God. And I knew that he had done something miraculous. He had already done. Um, I was listening to Charlie tell me about the miracle that he was alive. And, and I'm like, well, we got a God that just keeps doing these miraculous things. He's obviously got a plan. There's obviously something left for Charlie to do in his life. And uh, it was just a, a humbling, Tony, I, I, it was just a humbling experience of God who went through the right channels and changed the scenario, moved the mountain, opened the door, and let us get together in a way that was not supposed to be possible. It was it was just the most humbling experience. It was so awesome. I couldn't leave there without just feeling that, that uh, God had to be glorified. And all that, it was all about what he did. There was no doubt. There was no one else that could have done it. He's the only one that could have done that. And uh, it leaves you with just that humble feeling of that just happened. And God is so good. And so, it, you know, it was just the, you know, I, I can't say enough about the goodness of God, about how he moves things, changes things. Um, I can say that I never doubted. 
And Charlie didn't either. We knew we were going to have that moment somehow. I knew it. I just knew that God hadn't put all those things in place for nothing. I knew they were there for a reason. And uh, afterwards, his, uh, of course, we took a couple selfies. Um, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't my idea because I don't usually go to that kind of idea. But he said, let's take a selfie. We got to, you know, I want to show people that this actually happened. And, and his mom and dad said, if you actually see him, would you call us? And I got to call his parents, you know, and we wept a little bit together on the phone. And, and they saw the picture and they said, we haven't seen that kind of a smile since he's been there. And we're just so grateful to God that he opened this door. We've been praying about it. There's so many people that were praying about it. So I, I want to glorify God today. That's really my testimony about my, this, this experience. Um, I feel like all I was just a guy in the car, but the Lord set everything up and he removed every obstacle that was needed to be removed. And I mean, uh, we tried going through the right channels. It looked like we were going to have to go the wrong way. And God didn't even allow that. He put us back to the right channels so that he would be glorified alone. And, and that young resident chaplain, Kate, um, I knew it blew her away. It blew us all away. Um, but she was, I could tell she had a genuine love for people, a genuine love for God. And he testified of his, of his abilities to her even that day. And so God, again, he was glorified well beyond just Charlie and I. But in the eyes of his people, he answered their prayers. In the eyes of those that were told it couldn't be done, that hoped it could. And he opened the door. It was just a marvelous experience. And, uh, so anyway, I, I'm not going to keep going on about it, but that was my part of the experience. It's uh, it's hard to stop and not just keep piling on the the credit to God where it belongs. Well, I I do appreciate you telling us. I I had intended on asking questions and everything, but I should have known that you could have just handled that the full 30 minutes by yourself without any uh, interruption. So, but I I want to thank you for uh, for coming on and doing this. I think your um, your side of the story, because Charlie even mentioned in the podcast, and he doesn't know I'm even he doesn't know I'm even doing this part of it yet. So it's kind of really surprised when he uh, is listening to it if if he listens to it. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for you know uh, doing what you do for the ministry and you know being that servant to the Lord and uh, going out in there helping Charlie because I know I know Charlie he mentioned several times in the podcast that how he just it was more than just a feeling it was more than just the desire. It was like, he, he was mentioning how it was, he needed to get ministered to. And it wasn't like a, a want to, it was, he knew in the deep in his, in his core that it was something that needed to be done. And that he had conceded to the fact that it was just going to have to wait until maybe he got home or something like that. Uh, and then that's why, you know, he, he mentioned that he would, I think he mentioned that he wanted to hear your side of the story. Uh, kind of see that. So I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and doing that. And, uh, is there anything else you want to say before we let you go? No, just that it's kind of strange is I knew he would want and feel the need for administration the second I heard it happen. And it was in my mind from the start that he, that, 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 that should happen somehow. I just didn't know how it was going to play out. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I, I had felt that that would be important. And uh, so from the moment that I heard it, I thought I, my mind was already moving, you know. Um, and I, I did even then I thought, well, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to get an opportunity. And I wasn't thinking about COVID restrictions at first. But in my mind, it was already moving that way. I'll, I'll be out there. I'm going to stop and see him. And uh, it wasn't until later that I started seeing all the challenges to that idea. But uh, anyway, you were thinking it was going to be easy, like 2019 to go and see somebody. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't thinking about I mean, I was just thinking about him and thinking what he would want and need. And uh, I wasn't thinking about until I started hearing, well, the family can't go in. Was, OK, that changes the scenario. And, yeah. uh, but not really in my mind about the need. So. So you were you were, anyway, you got yeah. to see him um, before his his parents and his own wife, right? Like you were the first one to be able mm -hmm. to see him, and that I was the first one to be able to see him after the accident. So help me get the the time frame. So that was the that happened on the thirteenth. Uh, when what what was the date that you went and to visit him? Well, I went to visit him um, on the evening of the twenty fourth. Okay. So 11 days after it happened. And I bought my tickets the 12th. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I bought my tickets the 12th. That's when I found out when I was going to be up there. And I started putting my plan together um, because uh, the one of the daughters had COVID from being there with him when he passed away. And so it took longer for that all to play out. Um, for me to be able to, cause he, he passed away in September. And so, um, uh, but they couldn't do that until October 23rd. And so, um, the 23rd was a Saturday, the 24th, I had the service with Riley and Jennifer Mangarelli, and then, uh, was on my way down to see him, uh, impromptu, uh, just because he said, yeah, they've changed it. They've up, they've said, we're going to have surgery in the morning. So, oh, I mean, I got to go now then. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it happened really fast when it happened. Um, and we weren't really, I mean, he and I had talked about it. We had an idea that we could do it, but we hadn't gone through the channels yet until that day. And most of it was done while I was behind the wheel for me, uh, moving that direction and never doubting I was going to get there. But I just, I just hadn't figured out exactly all the pieces. So, and still yeah. didn't, I thought we did. <laughs> we thought we knew, but God changed that scenario at the very end for both of us, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That, do it that, the way you did it. That is a great testimony. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that with us. And uh, yeah, uh, this will be something that you, you can listen to and Charlie can listen to in the future. And you guys will always yeah. have this and you'll always remember this. So uh, once again, I want to thank you for uh, sharing that with us and thank you very much, everybody, for tuning into the 1830 Podcast Network and hope you have a great day. Thank you very much.